how would you say mother's day in a way eh mama ogba mama ogba yeah laughing yeah. <laughs> mother's day no i don't know i don't know eh. okay how would you say um your age in a way my age uh yeah we ton no it's not weird uh, black ton vova i am going to university may not a university university has got to have a um, an away translation or oh, that i'm not aware of. <laughs> <laughs> mm, can you spell amedro amedro yes ah m Should I start again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't cuz I don't know whether to spell it in English or in Igbo. Okay. Kudagbe K U D A G B E Let me offer this thought experiment. Can you imagine that you're Ghanaian at the US embassy applying for a visa to go to the United States? It's your interview time and get into the last minutes of it. The consul officer looks straight in your eyes as if to say there's something about you they want to find out in order to make an informed decision. Suddenly, they want to test you on your local language literacy. They start bringing all sorts of test materials out. to examine you on your oral and written skills if you pass it shows you really want to come back and not overstay your visa if you don't make the pass mark visa denied it seems you don't want to come back to ghana and so you don't bother knowing any language too well kind of a wishful thought experiment right but think of it for a minute le nkeke ajila ameova kode dikwisi nono hoho zadufe independence square de yowapo alesi gbadegba o plesukuvio azo amesia medo amesia medo awusi wocho gana flag ape amade de wo wela that reading away i cannot read away is time taken on the relevance of ewe language among the ewe youth 
these are just a few tests we handed out to very few away youth. Myself, when put under the test, I wouldn't do well at all. In a series of podcast episodes to come, we will be exploring the subject of the Ewe language and its youth. We will delve into its sociological aspect, its psychological aspect, the linguistic side of things, and all other scientific or unscientific discussions as well. In this episode, we will be looking at the basics of the problem or not. Let's get started. Some many years ago, I was approached by a friend who is from the northern part of Ghana. After exchanging pleasantries, he went on to ask me an interesting question. He began singing a melody to a certain song. It took me a short time to get it, um, but I realized he was talking about this particular song playing in the background. He told me his authentic admiration for the song, even though he didn't understand the lyrics in it. He was inspired by the music to learn the Ewe language, and he would jokingly be singing the song as a way to fill the moment of his own Ewe classroom. There are a lot of different ways people learn the Ewe language. Some learn it in the classroom, through friends, in the home and what have you. It is not that of a smooth operation. Normally, when an Ewe name reveals itself, people want to ask you where you are from and whether you speak the language. Eseveba, meaning, do you understand Ewe? 
our folks then can begin saying lots of our sentences to you. Um, it can be overwhelming for the non-understanding. Our guest I'll be introducing soon on this podcast is familiar with a thing or two about people having our names and not familiar with the language enough. Last, at the weekend, I went for a funeral in the village. And this, this young girl came there to, I was with my cousin. Uh, this young girl came to buy something. And then she was speaking a can. Meanwhile, the two parents are, they come from the village. <laughs> but they settled in the broad half region. Therefore, they were all born there. She couldn't speak a word of ever. So I was, I was wondering, ah, she, she can, but she could speak Akan fluently. You think it's a, she's a native Akan. I know you may be familiar with this sort of script. An Ewe man and Ewe woman come together and have a family. Their children can't speak their language. People who say they've heard this over and over again. Tell us something new. But he even explains the more that even some people who go to places of higher learning to study their local language at times have this problem too. I've encountered a number of them. They come there, they have every names. You know, at level 300, you have to do the linguistics of your language, of your heritage language. So when they come to the Ewe class, some of them, they, they don't speak a word of Ewe. So <laughs> it's difficult for them to, to force them to do the language. But some of them actually force their way to do it. And then by the end of the course, 300 and 400, they're able to pick a little of the language. Dr. Paul Agbedo knows linguistics very well. With extensive education starting from the 80s, he studied at the University of Ghana, Cambridge University, and the University of Victoria. His dissertation when doing a PhD was Language Planning for National Development, the case of Ghana. He delivered a public lecture in 1996 on educational language planning in Ghana, Problem and Prospects. In short, he knows well what he's talking about and wants to simplify it for us. He begins some way by blaming some parents. Parents who live outside the, 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 the community, communities, most of them don't make the effort to... Sometimes it's difficult. They don't make the effort to introduce their children to, to the land. Some of them even don't go home. That's one fact. Some of our pe- people, they don't go home. So the children never know their, their uh, home, home, hometowns or homeland. When you, when you have children within a different community, linguistic community, it's difficult to actually socialize them completely in your language because they are also having their peers that they go out to school with. Uh, so it's very difficult, but at least I think we need to make the attempt to introduce them to some of the basic structures in our language and the basic... Uh, uh, cultural practices in the language so that they can at least preserve them. When a child is born, a complex undertaking begins taking place. Language development is one of them. And we ask, how does a child learn a language? The moment the child comes out of the womb and makes the first cry, he's starting learning language and his ears are open. He's starting learning language Regularly, because any, anything that he hears goes into the brain. The brain picks up and until he's able to move the, you know, language is, uh, 
in speaking language use there are certain organs in the mouth which are very crucial the tongue the teeth are all parts of the and their lips those are important in speaking language because language is made up of sounds it's a combination of sounds that make up language so a number of sounds make a word and the number of words make a sentence so language is basically a combination of sounds uh, so the child at the initial stage might not be able to speak but the the, the sounds that he or she hears are stored in the brain and then i'm sure by by seven years the child is able to speak the language that he or she is introduced to to some level she might not be able to do everything in the language but at least she will be able to form very good sentences grammatical sentences and clauses by seven years yes okay. but they pick the sounds too they can they can they can learn all of them at the same time some some of the sounds they come they come gradually uh-huh. they because the because of the the nature of the 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 way they have to twist their tongue and other things to produce certain sounds so some some sounds like uh, like when they say mama for instance it's easier to say like because just the two lips mama uh-huh. so some sounds come earlier than others until the child grows up by by seven years she is able he or she is able to speak quite uh, understandably in growth there is technicality in languages as well there are also different forms of technicality attached to it we want to know what mother tongue is and what heritage language is sorry guys i actually asked there is nothing like father tongue well the concept mother tongue actually started with the, the word mother you know children mostly learn their the they spend most of their time growing up with their mothers so they normally pick up their mother's language first if them if they if both parents are not of the same linguistic background the child will normally pick the mother's language first so that is the origin of the word mother tongue uh-huh. so the mother's language but it has now assumed different uh, dimensions and so people uh is a, it 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 is defined also as a, the language of your first socialization the first socialization of the child so in some instances there are a number of every children who are born in other communities and therefore ever does not become their mother tongue it has become they they have their their first language is a language other than ever so that language become their mother tongue in some instances even english becomes their mother tongue so mother tongue has assumed some different dimension it's no longer the mother's language as we used to think about uh, but the language of the first so the f- f- socialization of the child mm-hmm. uh-huh. so so if the child is born in an every community ov- obviously she will, if ever will be the mother tongue but if he's born in a different community or gang community a can community and the parents are not able to socialize him or her into the every language then you go to pick another language as as mother tongue so people are now using heritage language the term heritage language heritage language so i may be an, I, i come from an ever family so that ever will be my heritage language but that may not be my mother tongue you see my you. heritage language is ever but it may not be my mother tongue because that may not be the first language i acquire in my socialization. Oh, okay. So ever maybe my heritage language by my mother tongue maybe I can. Oh, okay. Or English. Okay. Or Ghana. Uh-huh. 
United Nations, the biggest intergovernmental organization in the world, which is very optimistic about international peace. Well, isn't that optimistic about the state of languages around the world? It says by next century, 50% of today's spoken languages will be lost, extinct, or seriously endangered. You will think next century is several light years away from us. But as at this recording, we are just 77 years away from it. The simple numbers are that around 30,000 languages could disappear before the end of the century at a rate of one every two weeks. Yes, you heard me right. One every two weeks. You can take it as a bluff, but the world has seen the damages of warnings by scientists we didn't take serious. Well... I doubt the Ewe language can be part of the numbers in the future, but it pays to know a thing or two about lost, dead, or endangered languages. Well, for instance, when I, uh, your, my, if my heritage is uh, my heritage language is Ewe, and I'm not able to speak it, I've lost that Ewe. I've lost the language, but the language is not dead. It's not dead because people still speak the language. So there's a difference between language loss and language death. So the person may not be able to speak the heritage language, but he has lost it, but the language still survives because there are other people who speak the language. So the language is still alive. When the language is dead, it means that the last speaker has died. There's nobody who speaks that language. So it's a dead language. Uh, it's a dead and Languages hardly die like that, but, it's, it's, but some, some actually die. Uh, in in North America, for instance, there were, there were so many indigenous languages, the North American Indian languages. Most of them died because at the time when the Europeans went there, they, they, they in fact actually killed most of them. So they died with their language. So you don't have a, a single native speaker of the language. So that is language death. Uh-huh. But you can have language loss without language death. So if I have lost my heritage language, it doesn't mean that the language is dead uh, because people still speak the language. Uh-huh. We also encourage our students, especially those who come from such language areas which are threatened or endangered. We call them endangered languages. Are, that means if you don't do anything about them, they will die. So sometimes when students come from those endangered language backgrounds and they come to study, we encourage them to do something to to uh, do something about their language so can record some of the uh, aspects of their language so that at least there will be a record. Uh-huh. There will be a record. Sometimes the, the language may eventually die, but there will be a record of that language. Like Latin now. Latin is more, almost, a, almost a dead language because nobody speaks it. And, uh, but apart from the Catholic Church, which uses it in some of their masses, uh-huh. It's almost dead, but there's a, there's a, there are books. So if anybody wants to study Latin, he can, he can still study because they, are, they have written a lot of books on the language. Okay. So that's why we try to encourage students who come from... So even, you, know, you don't even need to come from the language background to not to take up that uh, task. So some, some of the students who don't speak the language at all go there, uh, do some recordings and write, describe the language. I said to keep it as a record. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think by now you'll be making connections in your mind about the subject matter. 
even more important is the fact that there are so many languages in the world, each fighting their own survival battle. Dr. Agbedo takes a dive into multilingualism in Ghana and gives us a little preview about the battles it's also fighting. Yeah, we multi, uh, multilingualism is, we have what you call societal multilingualism and individual multilingualism. Ghana is multilingual because there are so many languages spoken within the, the, the boundaries of the, of the country. Apart from indigenous language, we have foreign languages like French and others, which are also spoken by a few people. So, so that is why we say Ghana is multilingual. That's, there are so many languages uh, uh, are spoken within the country. When you take the, uh, even the indigenous languages alone, they are close to 50. Uh-huh. So that is that is multilingualism, and uh, so that is societal multi. So the society, Ghanaian society, is multilingual because there are so many languages spoken, and that also gives rise to individual multilingualism, because when you live in a community where it's, uh, other uh, languages are spoken, the tendency is for you to learn another language in addition to your own. For example, if I find myself in a, a can-speaking community. And the, the account speaking uh, uh, people are there in the majority. I have to find a way of communicating with them. So I have to learn my, their language in addition to mine. And so that makes me either bilingual or multilingual. So societal multilingualism normally leads to individual multilingualism. Because if you find yourself in such multilingual situation, it is necessary for you to learn another language in addition to yours. So you also become an. Uh, Individually, you become a, a multilingual, uh-huh. but the society, society is also multilingual. Uh-huh. That's the difference. So we have societal multilingualism and individual multilingualism. So Ghana is multilingual because there are so many languages, at least 50 languages spoken. Well, yes, it used to be the case that uh, multilingual uh, nations don't tend to develop much because of the language problem. But I think if we do, if we plan our languages well, that notion should be should be a thing of the past. But because, well, people say that well, uh, multilingualism creates difficulties for communication. Because if the government wants to communicate with the people, it means they have to do it in all those languages. Uh-huh. And if you if you want to do it in English too, not everybody has gone to school and does not uh, or speaks uh, yes. uh, English. So it becomes a problem. So some people don't even benefit from the, this uh, development efforts. So that is what, that is the college. Yeah, it is still there. It is still there as a problem. It is still there as a problem. But if planning is done well, if planning is done well, I think we can overcome that kind of a uh, problem. Oh, yeah. okay. Because, uh, for instance, if you have... Uh, Let's say we have 50 languages, 50 indigenous languages. Not all these languages have developed to a certain degree. There are very, when you go to the Volta region, uh, there are smaller languages within the Volta region. Siwu, Akpafu, Lulobi, and all those places. But most of them speak ever also as a second language because they know the community in which they live. They are in the minority. And therefore, they, have, they themselves know that in order to survive, they have to learn ever. So, the, the, if you have about 50 languages, 
it doesn't mean all those 50 languages should be given equal treatment. Because some of the minority language speakers have learned another language in addition to their own. So when you go to the classroom, for instance, and that, that, is, what the, that is why our language policy, education policy is not working. They, they say that uh, the child should be educated from, P, uh, from kindergarten to P3 in the local language. And then from P4, English takes over. But when you go to the cities, for instance, you go to a, a classroom here in Accra, you may have 50 students, 10 of them speak Ewe, 20 of them speak uh, Akan, 5 of them speak Gonja, and all this mix up. So which, which language do you use? So it becomes a problem. And therefore, they tend to use English. Yes. And it does not even benefit uh, most of them. Uh, so that's the... But if they... If, if we plan well and put this in, uh, even though it will be more expensive, because they have to put the students into language groups. So the FS, when it comes to uh, uh, certain subjects, FS students will group together so that they can be taught using the FA, Gonja, Akan, but it will, be, uh, it, it will be more expensive because they have to employ teachers for all these languages and then even classroom space accommodation becomes a problem. So people are not interested in even going into that area. Uh, so that's our problem. If we plan well, I think it shouldn't be, we should be able to overcome that problem. Uh, so, so because uh, of a difficulty in communicating to people with different linguistic backgrounds, that's why they said that. Uh, and they have studied and uh, looked at uh, uh, multilingual countries and their level of development, and they came to the conclusion that multilingualism is a problem. Uh -huh. But as I said, it will, be, it will not be a problem if we do proper language planning. So I think it looks like this now. Moving to different settlements outside the Ewe region works on Ewe's differently perhaps. There may be reasons for this movement like marriage, job opportunities, education, etc. When you're on the move, it takes a lot of consciousness and awareness to remember your roots. You are likely to learn other cultures to be a part of you. He's a scholar, so I asked. Is there a theme for this? Uh, acculturation is where it's, when it, uh, a child, let's say, um, let's say a, a child is born in the uh, an ever child heritage 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 wise is an ever, but as he said, some, most of them are born in Ashanti or some and then they they lose their ever and then become more more like a Khan or Ga or whatever. Uh -huh. So they have their they have their cultural background has changed. Uh -huh. Okay. Their cultural background has changed from Ewe to Ga okay. or Akan. Okay. So most of them don't even speak the language. Okay. And language is closely related to culture. Mm -hmm. Language is closely related. So because of that, too, they even lose their culture. Most of them because they are not even introduced to the culture. They behave like Akans or Gans or whatever. So that is uh, acculturation, when you lose what your culture to, for another one. I'm sure the conversation so far is giving you a mental shift into a way of understanding something about culture. There is more happening beneath the surface than we think. Even for so much you've heard so far, it's not deep yet, not at all. As said earlier, we are jumping into the basics of the problem and you just need to understand some key concepts before the conversation gets deeper.
if I allowed some time for you to reflect on what you've heard so far, what will you think of? Is it mother tongue, heritage language, endangered language, multilingualism, acculturation, or what else? Take some time and think about it. Music can be a force of nature. The very first time I knew ever was a popular language in Ghana was through music. Not with this one in particular, but another song. I was a kid then. Growing up, I have never put a word ahead of English. If you ask me which language is ahead of the other now in my life, I would likely say English. I mean, truthfully. I believe cultures shouldn't be in competition with each other, but find relevancy for every generation. The journey of finding relevancy, meaning, and purpose can be different for everyone. Your thoughts will be provoked. You will analyze your assumptions better. You will ask some questions from school of thoughts for yourself. And when you are just ready, I mean just ready, and for the last time, just ready, you will challenge the status quo. The status quo of trying to speak away. The status quo of thinking that English is a sign of intelligence. The status quo of thinking Africa culture connotes something dark. I could go on with status quo after status quo, but I don't have to make it a status quo to discuss status quo. No pun intended. The choice is yours to be confident. More interesting perspectives will come as we build on basics you've heard in this episode so far. Be ready for pure knowledge on bundling. For the non-aware, try to tell an aware friend when you see them. Ngeka Nenyo now. My name is Jijom Oklu Jaba. My pleasure presenting this podcast episode by Everview. Thank you.